Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Resilient Health Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Darren Ingalls, and joining me today is my friend and colleague, Margie Bissinger. Margie is a physical therapist, health coach, and expert in our topic today, osteoporosis. So, Margie, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, I'm so glad to be here with you. Thank you for inviting me. So, you know, this is Resilient Health Radio. We're talking always about being resilient and how do we help our bodies, you know, recover, heal faster. And, you know, my community being a lot of chronically ill people, often chronically disabled, you know, one of the many pitfalls of having a chronic illness is being sedentary. You know, you're just not moving the way you should. And one of the risks for that, of course, is you can start losing muscle mass and you can start losing bone. And, you know, one of those results, of course, is osteopenia, osteoporosis. So maybe let's just start off talking about, you know, what is osteoporosis? Okay, sure. So osteoporosis, the word means porous bones. But if we look at it, it's actual change in the microarchitecture of the bone. And so the bone becomes weaker and more prone to fracture. So instead of having nice cross links in the bone, it's strong. They actually you lose the cross links and it becomes, if you look through a microscope, way more porous. So therefore it's going to become weaker and more likely to fracture. So that's that's the big risk factor. But yeah. <laughs> so how how common is osteoporosis? This is the problem. People have no idea how common it is. In the United States, one in two women over 50 and one in four men will have a fracture due to osteoporosis in their lifetime. The consequences are devastating. In other countries, at like worldwide, it's one in three women and one in five men. So it's a little better. But still, that's a huge, huge number. People don't realize. And people don't realize, you know, a lot of times people don't give it the same importance as they do other things. Oh, no big deal. But the truth is, you know, the consequences of a hip fracture are are quite horrible. You know, around 24% of people will die within a year. So you really want to do things so that's not, you don't become one of those statistics. You know, it's one of those things where when you hear about people having fracture, you know, I think the common thought was that if you had osteoporosis, you know, your bones are weak, you would fall and fracture your hip, for example. But I've actually heard, isn't it the other way around that the bone is so weak, it breaks and you fall? That- Not necessarily. That's, a, that's like one type of fracture, typically for most people. And that's why there's so much that can be done because just improving your balance and doing all sorts of things to prevent falls. So still most people fall because, of, you know, because they, they have a fracture due to a fall. But there are cases when there are such weakness that you can just fracture a bone. But typically, for most people, it still is due to a fall. So is, is hip fracture really the more common thing that happens relative to like a, a spinal fracture or maybe a fracture in your, your arm, your radius? You know, the three most common are hip fracture. The sp- it's because of the type of bone, trabecular bone. So the three most common fractures are, are the hip fracture the vertebral, the spinal fracture, and then the wrist. But the wrist usually isn't as, the consequences aren't as dire. (laughs) Exactly. So why are people with chronic illness more at risk of osteoporosis? I speculate that it's just being sedentary. Is it that simple or is there more to it? There's a lot more to it. In terms of, and I know this is something that you believe in, you know, a lot of times people go and they get their DEXA results and they're like, you have osteoporosis. And it's not that simple. Oh, let's just give you a medication. 
because there's so many root causes of why you are losing bone. And one could be inflammation. So some of the same, you know, the bones aren't in isolation. It's rare that there's a person that, oh, they only have an issue with their bones. Everything else is working properly. If there's an issue with digestion and people aren't absorbing their nutrients, that's going to affect the bones. If there's inflammation, that can, you know, just the inflammation itself can reduce the bone building cells and that will and cause more bone breakdown. That will cause osteoporosis. So, so many, or if there's, you know, inflammation because of a gluten, dairy, an allergy to something, or you know, a sensitivity, all of the reasons that can cause any type mold, even, you know, any type of sensitivity and reaction, inflammation can affect the bones as well. So you really need to figure out and dial in on what's going on because the treatment's going to be so very different. Sounds like every chronic illness, right? <laughs> exactly. It's all, you know, it's very similar. It's just that certain things manifest itself in the bones and other things will manifest itself in the joints. And, and a lot of times, I, I think that's the good part about it though. What I think is always so exciting is that someone comes in or they start, you know, I always look at it as an opportunity. You know, talk about resilience. I think osteo, a diagnosis of osteoporosis is an opportunity. You may feel okay, but something's going on and they sort of get to examine, okay, let's go look, look underneath, look, let's see what's going on. And oh yeah, I've been constipated for my whole life, but no big deal. Or I've had indigestion. But when you start dealing with these root causes, all of a sudden everything gets better. And, you know, and stress and happiness are a very big part of what I do. And so people end up getting more resilient and happier in the process. Because when you learn these habits, it's just a win-win for in so many ways. Let's talk a little bit about testing. You know, how would somebody know if they necessarily had osteopenia or osteoporosis? The way they test right now, and this is the gold standard, is a DEXA test. It's a bone density test. And they take your bones and they compare it to the bones of a 30-year-old. So they'll do the spine, the hip. Those are the two they basically do. And then they look at standard deviations from a healthy 30-year-old. And it's just, it's purely a number. So if it's zero to minus one, they say you're okay. Minus one to 2.5, minus 2.5 is considered osteopenia. And then anything lower than minus 2.5 is considered osteoporosis. But there's a huge, huge, huge problem with this because it only tells about the density of the bones. It says nothing about the quality. So two people with the same bone density, one could barely fall and fracture and one has flexibility. They have a good, what's called collagen matrix. And so if they fall, they have, you know, the makeup of their bone is very different, the quality, and so they won't fracture. So it's, it just gives you one number there. There's something called trabecular bone scoring. It's a type of software they can also look that people are now using more to also give you the quality. But, you know, the problem with it is that people base everything on this bone density test. And it's just, it, the correlation isn't that good with who actually fractures and who doesn't. So it's important to get it done and that's the diagnosis. But there's many other tests that people can do to see if they're actively, there's something called bone markers where you can see, are you actively losing bone or did you just never build a lot of bone? You know, there are people who had eating disorders or just had a horrible diet when they were younger or very sedentary and they never built the same bone density that someone else did. So they're not actively losing bone. And it makes a big difference. 
Yeah. So what about the test like entilopeptide? You know, I know there's a blood test and a urine test. How accurate is that in terms of looking at bone building or bone loss? Yeah, the NTX is a very good test. There's also the CTX. Um, so, so yes, so either of those are very good tests because you can see, are you, are you, is your bone, you know, is it breaking down? And you can really see what's going on. So it gives you a much better look at the picture of what we're dealing with because there's just a very big difference. Are you, you know, something going on, some process that you're actively losing bone or is it, you know, there are people who have you know, different issues that are causing bone loss or is it something you just never built up the bone? So. So yes, those are very good tests. Because I know DEXA scans are typically done, I believe, every two years. So something like the NTX or CTX is great in between just to give you a sense, again, which way is bone modeling going? So you've at least got some biomarker of whatever intervention you're doing to know, are you kind of headed on the right track? Is that, is that correct? Yes, that's such a good point because you can do it every three months. So if you're trying a new treatment or you're trying something, or even for people who are on Medicaid, you know, you can see, is this working? You know, what effect is it having? You're not waiting two years or even, I mean, a lot of people do sometimes get the DEXA every year, but yeah, a lot of times you don't get it for a few years. So, so it's a good point to also just to see, are you on the right track? You know, talking about like medication. So from a conventional standpoint, if you've got osteopenia osteoporosis, your doctor will probably recommend that you try some element of medication. The goal to try and increase your bone mineral density you know, as I've read through some of the research, it seems like there's some conflict in especially the bisphosphonate category where it seems to help increase bone mineral density, but not necessarily reduce your risk of fracture. And I, I guess I sort of equated, is it making, you know, glass thicker instead of making it concrete? Has that been your understanding of this as well? Well, what the bisphosphonates do, so Basically, what happens, ideally, you have the osteoblasts that build bone and the osteoclasts that break down bone. And I, ideally, there's a nice balance. And a lot of people don't realize that that our skeleton, you know, every seven to 10 years, we get a new skeleton. And that's how we stay nice, healthy, and vibrant because we, we lose the old bone and new bones placed to keep it nice and strong. And so that's called bone turnover. What happens with osteoporosis is there's an imbalance. You're losing more bone than you're building. So what happens with the bisphosphonates is they stop the bone loss, but they stop everything. So you're really stopping the bone loss, but also you're not you're stopping that whole bone turnover process. So you're not getting the new fresh bone. So there have been incidents where people were getting fractures in the femur because the bone just wasn't, you know, they were getting fractures because they're not getting that new good bone. Um, there are certain cases where people are just losing so much bone that it can be helpful to stop it temporarily. Um, again, certainly not my first choice. I believe in doing everything else, medication. You know, there are cases though, nobody wants to fracture. So I do work with both conventional and integrative. I prefer the integrative doctor, but in terms of, you know, looking at everything, but there are certain times if someone, you know, again, we don't want anyone to fracture. But for the most part, yes, that's the problem. They also can affect your digestive system. And, you know, there have been people, because you're stopping that bone turnover, that get osteonecrosis of the jaw, their side effects. So it's, and, and interesting, when they looked at it from the trabecular bone scoring, that looks the quality of bone, even though it may have increased on the DEXA test, you know, showing increased bone density, it just, like you said, it did not show any improvement in the bone quality. So it's just really stopping 
bone loss, but not improving the actual state of the bones. Well, we say so much that prevention is the best medicine. So how can someone prevent uh, getting osteopenia or osteoporosis? Well, I think, actually, again, I'm a physical therapist, so that's my bias. But I think everyone, no matter where they're at, everybody can do, even if they're in pain, there's some type of exercise you can, t- can do because the bones resp- respond to the forces placed upon them. So even if you're not that mobile, and my big recommendation is this is usually covered, at least in the, in the United States, by, by um, insurance to see a physical therapist who specializes in or who has had experience in osteoporosis. Because you know, even if you're in pain, even if you have issues, you can do isometric, you can, you know, resistance training, strength training has been shown to, you know, the bones respond to the forces. So when like a muscle's contracting against resistance, it's like, hey, we need more bone here as well as more impact training. So there are certain exercises that have been shown in the research to increase bone density. So I think exercise, and I've seen this, I've been doing this for over 25 years. So I have seen you know, couch potatoes improve their bone density, but also improve their life. So I'm a big believer in the exercise. And the other important thing, since we talked about falling, is really working on your balance. Everybody may not be able to do intense strength training, but everybody can do some type of balance training. And, you know, even if it's just walking in a narrow line or shifting, um, I love Qigong and Tai Chi. That's my favorite. But there's things people can do so that you are stable and if you're, you know, to prevent fall. So anyway, exercise is key. Nutrition is very important. A lot of people are deficient. So I, I do like micronutrient testing and seeing what, because it's so important. We don't want to miss something. And I see a lot of people you know, deficient in magnesium or people or whatever it is, if, you know, any type of deficiency, it, it can affect your bones. And so it's very important to, to, you know, your diet be healthy as well as supplement where needed. And then also get rid of the chunk. You know, sugar reduces the absorption of magnesium, of calcium. And so, you know, when you're eating a diet of junk food, it's certainly going to affect your bones. So changing that up, reducing the inflammation. And this is what I, I see with osteoporosis, such a correlation with gluten. I have so many people who, when they got off gluten, ended up not only improving their bone density, but their arthritis got better. It just seems like a lot. And on the summit I'm having, I have a lot of the speakers who have also mentioned gluten being such a big issue. I get everybody tested, actually, not just for celiac, but to see if there's any kind of sensitivity. Well, obviously, if you're having any element of absorption problems in the gut, that's going to translate to not just your bones, but really any tissue's ability to repair itself. You know, you cut off the nutrition. I mean, that's the fuel for cell repair, right? So uh, ensuring you have a healthy gut function. And of course, gluten is such a common cause of leaky gut and other types of gastrointestinal problems. And of course, there's this thing called non-celiac gluten enteropathy where you can still have bad reactions to gluten and not have celiac disease. Uh, But the net effect is, again, you can still interfere with absorption. So good idea to get that checked out. And uh, are there specific, you know, targeted nutrients? Uh, Actually, let me backtrack. You mentioned micronutrient testing. Is there a specific lab that you like to use for that? You know, there are two that do it that um, that I've been I've had good results with. I mean, now I usually use Vibrant America. And they have, and they also do the wheat sumer, which I found so very helpful. Um, also, Spectracell does the same type of 
those are, those have been the ones that I've had experience with in terms of, and they really give you a comprehensive, um, you know, evaluation of what might be missing. Cause it's sort of, if you can, not everybody wants to do that, but you know, test, not guess. And you can sort of see, and a lot of times people are surprised really <laughs> that they, that they are lacking in, you know, CoQ10 or different things that they had no idea about. But I, I find it helpful because we can make sure then that we either get it through the diet or supplement. But the biggest one that I see also that most doctors, you know, typically when someone goes to see the doctor about osteoporosis, they'll make sure they give them calcium. And I find people are on too much calcium actually right. because they're getting it in their diet. And this is a situation where more is not better. You know, they haven't found that excess calcium helps your bones. And so people maybe are getting you know, in their diet, but then the doctor will maybe have them, you know, take a supplement. So they could be getting way beyond 1200, which is what they recommend in the United States, different countries, they recommend less. But so they're taking too much calcium, which isn't good at all. And there's been some research, nothing conclusive, showing this extra calcium goes places we don't want, such, you know, such as in terms of our joints, in terms of our heart. So there've been some negative consequences. But the one thing that really is lacking that I think is so important is vitamin K2. Yeah. And K2 you know, takes that calcium, gets it into your bones and also sweeps it out of the soft tissue. And for some reason, there is research on it, but for some reason, it's just, you know, where the doctors will say, oh, make sure they do check your D level and your calcium. But people don't typically, unless it's an integrated doctor, you know, tell them about K2. And I think that's very important, something that every, pretty much everybody, unless they eat natto, and so Japanese food that's totally packed with K2. Most people really benefit from taking K2. Yeah, I, I think the conventional push, like you said, of taking just calcium, you know, just, you know, take more calcium. You know, I always saw that kind of odd since, you know, calcium's literally in every single food you eat. And, you know, calcium deficiency, at least in the United States, is relatively uncommon uh, for that very reason. But, you know, calcium is what mineralizes the matrix of the bone, but the nature of osteoporosis is the matrix is broken down. So there's really fewer places for the calcium to deposit to strengthen the bone. So, you know, it's like trying to jam more people on a crowded bus. If the bus is crowded, there's nowhere to put them. So again, you've got to open up that bus so that there's places for the calcium to deposit. And I think that's why we see some of these studies, uh, again, showing maybe an increase in bone marrow density, but like I said, it's not improving the quality of the bone. And that's probably why we're seeing, you know, the, the fracture risk doesn't necessarily get reduced. Uh, I want to talk a little bit more about K2. Uh, I know I've spoken with other people like John Neustadt uh, about, you know, like MK7, MK4. Uh, do you have any thoughts on these specific forms of vitamin K? You know, I do. And it's interesting because I'm having a summit um, it's coming up soon. And so I've asked numerous, I interviewed 54 people, but I asked all the doctors because it is a controversy. I think both yeah. are good, but there is, you know, which one's better. And, and it's, it, it, it's, it's interesting. So here's the, here's where I'm at with it. That vitamin, you know, I think, I think K2 is necessary. So MK7, there's a lot of advantages to it. It's much less expensive. You need much smaller amounts. You need the research is like 180 to 360 micrograms. So with that research, they have shown that there is um, that you know th there's been some positive thoughts about reducing bone loss, increasing actually vertebral height. 
And so there's there's good research on that. They haven't really done research on fractures. That's that's the issue with the MK7. However, they have looked at places where NADA, which is MK7, where they're going you know, to Japan, and there's a huge reduction in fractures, a huge reduction in osteoporosis in areas where, where people have taken that. So it's interesting because Dr. I had Dr. John Newsett, he's on the summit, he gives a great talk. Yeah. And and also Dr. Kim Millman. And Dr. Kim Millman, both of them use MK4 because of the fracture prevention, because the MK4, and you have to have much larger dose. And it has, you know, where there's maybe a three-day half-life to MK7. So you take it, it stays in your system. MK4 is very, very short. So in the research where they showed us huge reduction in fractures, huge, you know, in, in Japan where they pulled all this data together in terms of the spine, I think it was like a 60% and the, and the hip was a 70%. So huge reduction in fractures with MK4. And, but the half-life, you need 45 um, milligrams. So it's much bigger, like three times a day in yeah. order to do the half-life. But both Dr. Millman and Dr. Neustadt only use it twice a day and they've had good results. So I, right now, I think both are good. I think the data, Dr. Millman feels that more data is going to come out that MK7 will be just as good. Right now, they haven't done all the research. So, you know, fall prevention is such a big deal. So that's where the MK4, but there's, you know, I, you'll ask a lot of different people and they'll give you different opinions that sometimes, you know, the body can make MK4 or, you know, so, so, so right now I can't say that I'm absolutely in favor of one versus another. If someone's at high risk for fractures, I might say, okay, you know what? Well, until we get a little more research, go with the MK4. You can do both, but regardless, just get it. <laughs> just take MK, just make sure you get some type of K2. I don't think you can go wrong. And I think just because they haven't done the research on the fractures, it's not that they've done it and they said, oh yes, MK4 is so much better. They just have done much more research on fractures and MK4 where MK7 is shown, you know, many other benefits. And what about vitamin D? Yeah, vitamin D is really important. So many of us are deficient in vitamin D. We need vitamin D desperately in terms of getting the calcium into the bones. So I think that's something that, you know, everybody, that's the good thing though. Most people get their vitamin D level checked and most people are able, you know, but there are people who have genetic, genetic issues where they're not absorbing vitamin D or no matter what they take, it still is low. But it's very important to have that monitor and see what's going on. And, you know, one something else about the summit is that I have a parathyroid surgeon on and I've learned so much about that. You know, so if people, you know, after last year's summit, over 20 people found out they had a parathyroid tumor and had to have surgery. It was really incredible. And so for certain people, you have to watch the vitamin D level. You don't want it getting too high if there's any issues. But but yes, I think everybody needs to, I mean, there's very few people that are getting enough from the sun. So it's something that needs to be monitored and looked at and just see where you're at. I know. It's been so amazing to me when you look at research that's done in you know Florida and California and Saudi Arabia, places that get plenty of sun. And yet people still tend to be vitamin D deficient. You know, I think the skincare industry has done a good job of telling people to wear sunscreen when they're outside and or that, or people have enough clothing on that are really effectively blocks the absorption of the UV radiation that we need to convert vitamin D in our skin. So 
Absolutely. Getting your blood tested. And I guess depending on, you know, who you talk to, I think most of us are in the camp that your vitamin D 25 hydroxy should probably be somewhere between 50 and 100. Uh, in terms of supplements, though, do you recommend people take vitamin D3, vitamin D2? Should they be doing combination? Oh, yeah. Vitamin D3. Vitamin D3 is the more natural vitamin. The only time I guess sometimes if it's so low, they need a prescription grade. And there's just been times, um, do you find that as well? That that if it's so low, sometimes they need the prescription. But for most people, the vitamin D3 is the way to go. Yeah, I usually use vitamin D3. I've had a handful of people that we, even with vitamin D3, their blood levels really didn't come up very much. And it wasn't until we added D2 that we really saw their levels come up. So... Everyone's different, but by, by and large, I use the combination of vitamin D3 with the K2. And fortunately, again, there's a lot of great companies out there that make, you know, specific formulas that are geared towards osteoporosis that have the K2, the D3, and then many of the other nutrients. And maybe we can just kind of rattle off. What are some of these other nutrients that people should be thinking of that help build bone? Oh, well, there's just so many things. Zinc is important. You know, it's a whole symphony that everything works together. So we have the magnesium, the calcium, the K2. Something that's critical that's really missing is protein. Protein is a big deal. And they found as people get older, they tend not to have enough protein. You know, it used to get a bad rap. You know, oh, too much protein, you're losing calcium in the urine. But that's really not the case. The case is that we need our protein. They've done numerous studies on it. So we want to make sure we get protein. Boron's really important. Um, let's see, you know, folate's good. Um, the B vitamins are important. So I think I think the whole conglomerate of I'm um, trying to think what I'm missing. Biotin's yeah, good. Magnesium, silica, silica, you know, strontium. I know it's interesting. I, I said I was at a conference uh, just a couple of weeks ago with Dr. Neustadt, and I, you know, Dr. Alan Gavey was my nutrition teacher when I was a med student. He wrote a book on os nutrition and osteoporosis, you know, many many years ago. And uh, I'd always given strontium as an accessory nutrient. And Dr. Neustadt mentioned that there's some studies linking high-dose strontium with blood clots. And yeah, I don't believe, here's the deal with strontium. The problem, it's a real problem actually, because strontium, uh, if you take strontium, it's actually gonna make it that your bone density increases, but not accurately because it's a heavier, it's heavier, it's a heavier um, element than, than, than calcium. And so what happens is that your DEXA test is no longer valid when you have, so people are so excited. Oh yeah, they took this with strontium boost or something, but yet it's not valid because it's not, it doesn't increase the strength at all. And so, so yes, so that's, so, so he's right about the blood clots also, but it also, it, it, it you know, it, it raises, it improves your bone density without helping your bones. And it also takes the place of calcium. So it's it's not helpful, and that's something that the, even the National Osteoporosis Foundation says. You know, you you don't want strontium, so it's something that a lot of people do take. But yet, um, yes, I don't recommend that at all. Most mo and people in the field also don't really feel that it's something that that we want because it it clouds the picture and it takes the place of what we do want. Well, this has been incredibly helpful. Again, I know there's so many people out there that are dealing with osteopenia, osteoporosis. Good to know there's so much you can do between diet, exercise, targeted nutrients. If people want to learn more about you, where can they find you? 
Well, my website's probably the best way, margiebissinger.com. And I have a podcast that you were on. You gave, I love your lecture. So many people are helped by that. And um, can I mention the summit too? Please. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I did a summit last year and so many people's lives were changed. And this year I'm doing another summit, May, March, March 27th, it starts. And it's, I have physical therapists actually, what I wanted to do is give people tools. So I have physical therapists showing the exercises, really demonstrating. I have Qigong instructor showing what to do. People actually, nutritionists demonstrating the food, you know, really giving the tools because, and, and integrative doctors who deal with this, you know, really going over evaluation, really going over what needs to be done because it is confusing and it can be overwhelming. And so, you know, you, you sort of want that roadmap where to start. And I always tell people, don't get overwhelmed though. You know, take one thing and any step is a good step in the right direction. And, you know, you'll look back and you'll think all these other things you've done just improve your whole life. But anyway, so you'll have, you have the link to, um, to the summit. So there's going to be just a t- tremendous amount of information and practical things that you can use, you know, even right away when you sign up, you get the, I wrote, I did a whole sheet on balance and I show the exercises, you know, what you can do and all of the imposter as well. It makes such a big difference. So all of these things are just easy to implement and a lot of information so that people can get started and really take care of their bones. Great. Well, we're going to drop a link to your website. We'll also drop a link to the uh, summit. And uh, again, if you've been dealing with bone loss, you're going to want to tune into the summit because I know you've invited so many great speakers. And this is why these kind of summits are so important because you're bringing massive amounts of information, high value to people that have these problems. And again, this is free, folks. <laughs> Take advantage of it. And you're probably going to want to buy the summit afterwards because they're going to be speakers that you want to go back to again and again and listen to. And like I said, you've got a lot of free information, handouts. Uh, I know you've got, you know, demonstrations of different activities and there's just going to be so much helpful information. So we'll put all that in the show notes. And again, Margie, always a pleasure to have you on the podcast and uh, thanks for joining me. Uh, Well, thanks for having me. It's so good to see you.